Welcome to this sermon podcast from Myo Baptist Church, and thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that God's Word will be an encouragement to you and a reminder that the Bible has all the answers to living a successful and fulfilled life. Again, thanks for listening. We now join the service in progress. Oh, you want to do it again? Oh, you got to go to class now? Oh, yeah. Okay. Is that the Bowmans I see back there? Hello, good to see you folks this morning. Glad you are here. We appreciate you being here. Good to, good to see you. We're asking the question in this series, who am I? And it's the search for identity. Velvet, is it not wanting to come up? Is it not cooperating? Okay, we'll give her a second. You know, our self-identity is, is important. You, you, you don't want to, to, to get that wrong. That, that's problematic when you think of yourself in a, in a wrong way. It's very important that we get this right. And again, I want to give credit to Brother Kerry Schmidt. It's a series that he's preaching. I, I got to believe he's written books. I got to believe this is going to come out in book form at some point in time. But it's something that I identified with. Who am I? The search for identity. Now, not really hearing preaching on this particular topic, you might be questioning the whole idea. Trust me, I did too at the beginning. And the more I heard and the more I listened, and I'm not repeating his messages. I'm using some of his stuff, but I'm, I'm taking it the direction that the Lord is leading me. I think the more you hear and the more I get into this, you're going to be going, hmm, I never thought about that. Hmm, that explains why my son or daughter or friend, that explains to a great degree why they're going through what they're going through. You may say, hmm, that explains what I'm dealing with right now. I, I believe this to be a very hopeful, a very helpful message. We're going to start this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 17. One verse. And this kind of sums it all up where I'm coming from and what I want you to think about this morning. It says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. You have a new identity. You're not the same person you were before you got saved. You had an identity then. This is who you thought yourself to be. This is who, what you thought life was all about. But you're a new creature. You have a new identity. As a Christian now, you don't look at yourself, you don't look at others, you don't look at God in the same way. One of the greatest problems people face today, I believe, is in the area of identity. In fact, the secular world certainly notices that. A secular mental health site made the following statement, whether due to mistaken beliefs, Our developmental delays, 
identity problems can cause people to have difficulty taking an appropriate perspective towards other important life tasks, creating a wide range of life problems. Even the world acknowledges that if you get your identity issue messed up or mixed up, it can create all sorts of problems for you. What are we talking about when we talk about our identity? Your identity is very simply how you view yourself. And every one of you in this room have a view of yourself. That's undeniable. That, that is a fact of life. Identity answers the question, who am I? If I were to ask you, who are you? What you would give me would be your sense of identity. And we'd probably get a wide range of answers in this room, which would probably explain the wide range of different lives we see in this room. It's my sense of self. It's my sense of values. And every one of you have that. And really, as I thought about it, it has this, this, this identity or this sense of self has really three components. Number one is how you see yourself. Some of you see yourself as a pretty good person. I guarantee you there are people in this room, though, if you ask them how they see themselves, if they were honest, they would see themselves, you know, I feel like a failure, to be honest with you. And that's their, that's their identity. That's how they see themselves. Some people you ask in this room, how do you see yourself? Well, I, I see myself as a winner. You know, I've, I've won at pretty much everything I've tackled in life. Some people in this room wouldn't have that. They would have a different identity. You know, I see myself as a loser. I've never accomplished much. My life doesn't amount to much. Some people in this room would see themselves as, you know, popular. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm liked by a lot of people. I get invited a lot of peop- by a lot of people. I tend to be the life of the party, and I, I see myself as a very likable, gregarious kind of person. And then other people would come to the opposite conclusion. Uh, no, I don't see myself that way at all. I, I have trouble making friends. I, I, I'm not very popular at all, and that's a real problem for me. That's, that's, that, that bothers me. So one of the components of identity is how you see yourself. Another component of identity is how you want others to see you. And we all have an idea of how we want other people to see us. And usually we want it in a positive light. We want others to see us as successful. We want others to see us as intelligent, uh, fun, uh, oh, man, we put a huge emphasis on being attractive. We want, we want to be seen as attractive. We don't want to be viewed as ugly. So you, when we talk about our identity, we, we talk about how we see ourselves, but we also have a sense of how we want others to see us, and that's something we all grapple with. And then the third component of this identity equation is how I am really. You know, I have this idea of how I am, and I have an idea of how I want others to see me, but then there is how I really am, how someone objective who knows me would describe me. You know, you may have one opinion of yourself, but in reality, a friend talks to you, and they're open, and they're honest, and they say, no, 
you, you've got issues. I got to be honest with you. You know, you've got issues. And then they reveal to you your true identity. A lot of people struggle with identity issues. I really think that was at play with the apostles, and particularly with Peter. Those guys were always struggling. They were always talking to Jesus. Who's the greatest? Who's the best? And and really, at its core, if you think about it, that's their identity. I want to be seen as number one. I don't want to be seen, you know, why didn't I get to go there? Why, Why didn't he choose me to go when he prayed? And they were obviously grappling with that stuff. You say their root problem was sin. Yes, but sin coming forth from this identity issue. We're not talking about self-esteem. That, that is psychobabble stuff. We're talking about just honestly how we see ourselves. Peter, for example, in Matthew chapter 16, beginning in verse number 21. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him. Well, that, Peter, that's sin. Why? It's because how Peter saw things. It's how he identified with Christ. And he began, this is Peter rebuking him. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, that this shall be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, Now Jesus addresses him, Get thee behind me, Satan. That ain't how Peter saw himself. But that's how Jesus saw him. You see, sometimes we can see ourselves through a dusty or a convoluted lens. And that creates all sorts of problems create serious problems for us, serious struggles in our lives. Get thee behind me, Satan, thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. I guarantee you, I promise you, I wasn't there, but I don't think I'm out of line saying that's not the way Peter saw it. And he had to be corrected. He had to be corrected on how he saw himself, how he identified himself. He is exhibiting there a wrong identity. He is exhibiting there a false identity. You look back at it and it appears that he thinks he's smarter than Jesus. Because he's correcting Jesus. That's a bad, bad way to start things off. But he did it because he saw himself in that light. He obviously saw himself as an authority over Jesus. No, you will not do that. You will do this. He saw himself as the protector of Jesus, as if Jesus needed his protection. I contend, you you say, there was sin in his heart. Yes, but why? Because he was seeing it all wrong. He was being influenced by the wrong thing. He had his identity all convoluted. And we know he was seeing it wrong because... Jesus didn't look at him after what he said and said, you know, Peter, you got it right. You know, Peter, I need to listen to you. You're way smarter than I am. Peter, I, I, any other thing you need to tell me that I don't know? 
And Jesus rebuked him. And when we get it wrong, whether it was Peter or whether it's you, when you get it wrong, you get the rebuke of Jesus in your life. When I get it wrong as to who I am in my relationship with the Lord, I, like Peter, am going to be rebuked. And folks, that explains a lot. That explains a whole lot. We're seeing it wrong. We're understanding it wrong. We've got our identity wrong. And we need to understand that. A wrong identity is always problematic. It was wrong for Peter. At times it was wrong for the apostles. It drew the rebuke of Jesus. I like this quote. Who are you? What gives a man his identity? On what foundation are you building your sense of self? Your answer, whether true or false, defines your life. We need to make really, really sure that we know who we are. That is critical. Let me give you, we we, we talk about Peter. Of course, that happened a couple thousand years ago. Let me give you a more recent case story. And it's a little edgy case story about this teenage girl, but it's a true story. But even though it's edgy, I mean, there's a lot going on in our society today that's edgy. And I think this reflects what a lot of people are dealing with. Here's the testimony of this girl. As a young teenager, I constantly sought for ways to define myself. There's adults that are doing that, looking for ways to define themselves. I wanted to be the popular girl. I wanted to be the smart girl. I wanted to be the funny girl. She is defining her own identity, and that's problematic. Right there. Right there, she's off to a bad start. That's not where your identity is supposed to come from, as we will explain later. She goes on to say, any option worked for me as long as I had a place to fit in. It seemed like I changed my identity drastically every year in order to define my place in the world. During my freshman year, I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. All throughout high school, I struggled with that, along with drug and alcohol use and mostly sex. I ran after every guy I could in order to fix my emotional pain. I use men to define me. That is thought-provoking for a Christian. What this girl is dealing with. Her problem is sin. Yes, that's sin. The drugs, the alcohol, the men, that's sin. But why? It's the way she saw herself. It's the way she self-identified. It matters how you think about yourself. It matters that you and I think about ourselves biblically. She goes on to say, I had found the one thing everyone in my high school would recognize me for. I was now a promiscuous girl. At first, it was empowering 
to know that I had a role in the world, and I would use it to my advantage. Everybody knew that I would give them what they wanted. Therefore, I could get anybody I wanted, at least for one night. However, this lifestyle left me so empty, lost, and broken. Your identity matters. It matters. I was nothing but a shell of a person. Society tries to tell little girls that sex is glamorous, and boy, don't they. And everyone does it. But here I was, having tried it, empty and alone, because I had poured out my soul to everyone. She certainly had sin problems. But what was at the root of those sin problems? Why was she making those decisions? Why was she pursuing that course of action? Because of the way she identified herself and the way she wanted others to identify her and validate her. We mentioned there's three components to this whole identity thing, and we certainly see it being played out here with her. How did she see her own identity based on what the little testimony we just read? Well, she saw her own identity as unpopular. And that was important to her because how did she want others to see her? She wanted others to see her as popular. But in fact, the reality of her identity was very simply that she was promiscuous. You see, see all how the equation is, is getting all convoluted and creating such a problem? It's a real issue these days. One of the things Carrie Schmidt said in his series on this is that you can't be happy like this. And he, he, he explains the issue in this one short statement. A contrived identity is a lie. Anything outside of what Jesus says about you, what the Bible says about you, Anything outside of that is a lie, and a contrived identity is a lie. Quoting Carrie Schmidt. And nobody will ever find that deep abiding joy and peace when you're trying to live a lie. Because the truth of the matter is, you will just frustrate yourself to no end, as I will explain in just a second, by believing a lie. I like this quote. Wrong ways of defining who we are arise naturally in our hearts. I think this is a Carrie Schmidt quote, too, from that same series. Wrong ways of defining who we are arise naturally in our hearts, our flesh, and the world around us preaches and models innumerable false identities. Teenagers are pursuing this. You know, college kids are pursuing this. It's all, ultimately, when you boil it all down, you know, Sharon will put stuff on the stove and she's boiling it down to its essence and that's what you really got. When you boil it all down, so much of it has to do with how we see things, how we interpret things, how we identify ourselves. Carrie said, Carrie Schmidt said that every one of us 
will identify ourselves in one of three ways. And he defined them. And I listened to it and I said, makes sense to me. Makes him, explains a lot to me. He said, there is the traditional way that people identify themselves. And this is more a way of the past. This is when culture defined you. You, you, think, about, you think about growing up in the past. In the past, our, our culture said that men ought to be men. Boys ought to be boys. And, and, and men should grow up to, to protect and provide for their families. And, 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 and young men went hunting and young men um, took shop. And one of the reasons they did that was that was the cultural image that identified you. And the young ladies back then, you know, you watch June Cleaver and the culture around you presented the women on TV as being ladies. I mean, only June Cleaver and, and on the Father Knows Best, you know, the, would wear pearls when she's vacuuming. But June, June got away with it, wore her dress. But, and then everybody, oh, well, that's the way... Ladies are to be. And that is the outside telling you how you ought to be. Now, that's not necessarily always bad if you have a Christian culture that's, you know, sending those signals to you. But it's not always a Christian culture. And, and the frustrating thing about that is that somebody on the outside influencing you, pressuring you, if you will... That this is what's acceptable in our culture. But it requires the validation of culture. And it can be very frustrating trying to live up to what others think. Trying to measure up. Now I can say it's not all bad if, if, if the culture and if the peer pressure is positive. But you can't always count on that. But we've drifted away from that traditional formation of identity. There is today a modern way to define yourself, and this should be so obvious to you. Today, the word is, you can be anything you want to be. But you know, that's not true. You know, I wanted to be a linebacker for the Green Bay Packers, and I'm just kidding myself if I think I would have ever been able to do that. But that is the popular culture today. Brother Schmidt, as I was listening to one of his messages, he paused it and he had someone come up to the piano and you could just hear it. It wasn't a, I couldn't see it. I was just listening. And he had her sing a bunch of popular Disney songs. I never thought about it before. And every one of those Disney songs that, that you, you and I would recognize if you have any familiar with what's in pop culture today, Disney-wise, they were all about Dream your dream. Do your thing. Be the person. Don't let anybody influence you. Do what you want to do. Now, again, just like traditional isn't all bad when the influence is good, but you can't count on that. That, that, that is a culture, that, that is an identity that is imposed upon you. The modern culture is I set my own identity. And again, that's not necessarily 100% bad, but it is bad if it's done in isolation without regard for the way we really ought to see our identity. But the problem with that one, too, is you need people to validate you. That's one of the greatest sources of stress in your lives right now with certain family members and certain friends and people at work. 
They have chosen their own identity. And when you don't validate their identity, they get mad. Am I right? I have tried. You know, this is, this is the 2018. I can be any person I want to be. I can choose my sex. I can choose whatever lifestyle I want. But that's still frustrating to them. Because just like with the traditional identity, you have to be validated by culture, that really holds true there too. You pick and choose what you want. But at the same time, you need that validation. And anybody that doesn't agree with you, you're, you're, you're angry. The, the liberal crowd with their liberal lifestyle, they get mad if you suggest that maybe they're wrong. Am I right? They will riot if you say, no, that lifestyle is wrong. No, I can be anything I want to be. And dare any. And some of you may have bought into this. Now, to a degree, yes, you know, you, you have your identity in Christ. But well, let's, that brings us to point number three. There's a third option. A gospel identity. The Bible way. That's where you're going to find peace. That's where you're going to find happiness. When the most important thing to you in this world is your identity in Christ. This young lady, she said, and I have this on the screen. We continue with the young lady that was struggling that ended up being promiscuous. She found the answer. At the age of 18, I started going to church. Amen, amen, and amen. And it found the answer to all my problems. I have been slowly learning to let Jesus fill the emptiness in me like nothing else could. Instead of looking for a role to fill, I have, finally find, I have finally found my identity in Jesus. Folks, this explains so much. This explains so much. She says, once I gave my life to God, my life has never been the same. From the very moment I asked him to enter my life, I have found the meaning and purpose that I thought I would never have. There it is. Right there. That is so encouraging. That is so hopeful that you don't have to be miserable. A gospel identity is fulfilling is a fulfilling identity conferred upon you from the Lord. Let me read it again. A gospel identity is a fulfilling, a fulfilling, a satisfying identity, a comforting identity conferred upon you by the Lord. It's one of the blessings you receive when you trust him as your savior. You don't have to seek validation from other people. There's nothing to get mad about now. There's not any really worrying about what other people are thinking or doing. So that brings us back to where we started, 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. This young lady is now a new creature. She identifies with Christ. She's not letting the culture define who she is. 
She is not self-identifying as to who she is. Because both of those require validation from other people. And if they're not validating you, if they're not going along with you, it just creates tension. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. This verse teaches that your identity is in Christ. When you get saved, the essence of your life is Christ. When you get saved, He sits behind the steering wheel. Your understanding of who you are comes from Christ. Your values come from Christ. You're not searching for your identity. You're not confused about your identity. You have a settled peace and a wholeness about you. You don't have to impress anybody. You have found what you are looking for. You are a new creature. You are not the old you that's struggling, that's looking, that you're sensitive to how culture wants you to be and trying to live up to the cultural norm. How are they dressing out there? What's popular out there? What are they doing? How do I need to look? What do I need to talk about at work tomorrow? Because I'm looking for approval. That's my identity. I need validation from other people. Or you become arrogant. I don't care what anybody thinks. And I'll wear the weirdest clothes and the purple, orange, green, and yellow hair and I'll do whatever I want and dare anybody to question it. None of that works. None of that gives you a deep, abiding peace. Our identity in Christ, folks, determines the essence of who you really are. That is so satisfying. That is so refreshing. That takes the weight of the world off your shoulders You don't have to decide who you are. You have confidence that you are God, you are as God made you to be. You don't have to prove yourself to anyone. You don't need people to validate your gospel identity. It's been validated by God. It's been validated by Jesus Christ. You understand what they don't understand. In Christ, you know where you came from. In Christ, you know why you're here. You're not searching. You're not confused. You're not looking under every rock. Am I going to find happiness here? Am I going to find it over here? How do I want people to think of me or whatever? You You know why you're here. You know where you're going. You, you know the difference between right and wrong. It doesn't get any better than that. Amen. And many people you know that are struggling are struggling for this very issue. It's an, at its core, yes, it's a sin issue, but at its core, it's how you think. It's how you think about yourself. It's how you want other people to see you. It's looking for something that is elusive because whatever you find, it still is dependent upon others to acknowledge that. 
and validate that. And if they don't, you're either mad at them or you're depressed. One or the other. I told Sharon, people like that tend to be depressed, tend to be filled with anxiety. They're looking for something, they've never found it. They tend to be on edge. They'll argue with you at the drop of a hat because you're not agreeing with them, you're not validating them. But then I told Sharon, I said, think about the mature Christians I know. Many in this room. They're not uptight. They're not easily offended. Those that are struggling with their identity can be easily offended. Easily angered. But I said, Jim, think about it. Think about the people that we know that have their identity in Christ. Maybe they haven't thought of it in those terms. It just, it just is. They're at peace. They're not easily offended. They're not on edge. They're not trying to prove themselves to other people. Oh, I've got to have friends. Or why didn't they invite me over? Or why isn't this or this? And, you know, there are people, I told you, it's the people whose identity is in Christ. They're not being all out of shape. They're not struggling to find themselves. They're not struggling to impress anybody. They've turned it over to the Lord. And the Lord is in charge, and they know. Say, you know, the only thing they may struggle with is just, okay, Lord, what's your will for my life? But they're, they're not anxious over that. They're just, you know, young people sometimes. What vocation do you want me to go in? It's not to impress people. You're thinking different terms. You're thinking entirely different. Lord, what is your will? What is your will for me to, uh, what, what career choice do you want me to make? Where do you want me to live, Lord? Who do you want me to marry, Lord? I don't have anxiety because that's, that's up to him. Somebody that's not leaving it up to him, they're been all out of shape. And they're on edge. Our whole society is on edge right now. Because they're looking for validation. And if you don't validate me, we will riot. We'll do whatever. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. The old you that was struggling with your identity... That is the explanation for your poor choices, which is sin. You're a new creature in Christ. You are connected to him like the branches are to the vine. It's that tight with you and him. That's where you find the peace. That's where you find the joy. That's where you find the contentment. That's where you're personal identity struggles end. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that the service was a blessing to you and that you were encouraged by God's Word. If you have any questions about Baptist Church, please contact us anytime. You can find contact information on our website at myobaptistchurch.com. Thanks for listening.